Bible says in Acts chapter 4, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. That's the name we're singing about there. Amen? And that's the one that we come to worship today. And that's the one that uh, our kids are going to worship today as we go ahead and dismiss them to Children's Church up to third grade. We appreciate uh, Terry and her team being part of a great ministry. We also believe it's a big deal to be in church. Amen? Give them a good hand for being here. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bible this morning, if you have it, and join me in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we'll be picking it up at verse 13, and we invite all of our viewers from home joining in with us. We're glad to have everyone opening their word of God. And, uh, you know, years ago, preachers said, boy, it's good to hear the rustling of the leaves as people turn their pages. And recently, uh, Jeff Crook, didn't he tell us it's good to see the glow on your face uh, from your iPhone or whatever it is. So this morning, we're going to address a very important thing, and that is wisdom. How to be wise beyond your years. Now, if you were to tell me, Greg, you need to make a decision based on eternity that if you die without Jesus Christ, you will die lost and spend eternity in a real place called hell. Or you can place your faith in Christ and receive his gift of forgiveness and know that if you were to die, heaven would be your home. To me, it seems like the only wise decision there is to place my faith in Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian. This morning, as we gather together the body of Christ, we as believers need to be reminded of something, and, and maybe you're here and you're a little confused of what it's all about, but what are we saying when we're saying we're a Christian, okay? Well, we're saying that we've made a decision. We've made a decision to place our faith in Christ and his death on the cross of Calvary and his glorious resurrection. But we also realize that a Christian is someone who, first of all, rec recognizes who God is. So God has created you, and he's created me for a purpose. Every beat of the heart that you have and that I have is given from God. Life is a gift of God. Amen? So we recognize who he is, the one that we've sung about. He's our creator. He's worthy. He's holy. But a Christian also recognizes who we are. We recognize that our sin has separated us from God. That I'm not going to heaven by default. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me on Calvary. Amen. He took my place, and I've received Him as my Lord and Savior. You see, a Christian rep recognizes who God is, and we recognize who we are. And because we recognize who we are, we see the need. We we recognize what we need, and we need someone to pay for it. And Jesus did. He became our substitute and died for us. He not only became our substitute, he provided a way, a clear way that we could follow and that we, we could see and that we could trust him as Savior and have a relationship with him. And because of that, a Christian even has a home assured. Heaven 
will be your home. So this morning, how can you be wise beyond your years? Have you ever met someone, or perhaps you, you might be a, a person that says, that's me, or your, your dad or mom, or maybe a grandparent or great-grandparent, who you found out that uh, they, didn't, they didn't finish school, but yet they're one of the most wise people you've ever met. And then have you ever met somebody that might have a wall full of diplomas and wonder, where's the wisdom come into play? Now, I don't say that to mock anybody who's got a bunch of diplomas, but what I am saying, folks, is wisdom is something you learn. Wisdom is just not, here it is and you've got it. You have to learn. And the Christian life is about learning how to be godly and growing in your faith in this time God's given you called life. So James takes us to chapter 3, and I'll read verses 13 through 18. If you're with me this morning, say amen. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly and sensual and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How to be wise beyond your years. Now when you think of your walk with the Lord, I want to uh, you take a journey with me. Because in this passage today, James reminds us that it's important that the wisdom that you and I claim comes from the right source. That it comes from the right place. We want wisdom from God. We want wisdom that only heaven can bring. We want wisdom that only God can give. Now the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, and my God. You see if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you can claim that promise, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, folks, let me tell you something. God knows what you and I need. Not what we want, but he knows what we need. He knows that this morning. And why in the world do I sometimes, and maybe you join me, why in the world do we live in a way where we act like God somehow doesn't know what's going on? That somehow we can keep anything from God with our life. The Bible says he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The other night we had the, the privilege uh, to go down, as some of you did, and pay our respects to the Bridge family. And uh, sat through the service, and after the service, I drove down. After the service, we got out to the car, and I opened my door and looked, and, and Roy was with me, and Roy was on the other side, and opened, 
and there was a bunch of stuff in somebody's seat. I had opened the door of the wrong car. Oh, no, I didn't. Somebody had helped themselves to my glove compartment. And, of course, Renee, when I got home, playing the detective, her first question, can you believe it? Well, did you lock it? And I said, no, no. She goes, well, did you check and see if your title was in there? I said, nobody keeps their title in the glove compartment. Yesterday, I, I put all that stuff in a bag that was in the seat and started going through it. Guess what I had in the glove compartment? The title, she said, that I said, nobody puts their title in the glove compartment. It's, it's almost like they weren't looking for my stuff. Maybe money. I don't know. Maybe money. You know, people somehow feel like their needs can be met by people. And folks, I'm telling you today that our greatest need is spiritual, and there's only one account that that can be drawn from that is life-changing, and that's in Christ. And that's the good news of the gospel. But if God shall supply my needs and knows what I must have and knows what I need to have, this morning, I want to remind you of a few principles that I hope will help us all, okay? And that's this. We can look to heaven for all we need. We can look to heaven for all we need. Brother Greg, why would you say that? Well, I'm going to explain that to you. Because first of all, our Father is in heaven, amen? Our Father is in heaven. The Bible says, hallowed be your name. Let heaven come to earth. That's what that prayer is talking about. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says that our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in heaven. The Hebrew writer says it this way in chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we did not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Who? Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We can look to heaven for all we need, because our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is there. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, let me remind you of this promise, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Bible says, when they had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel. Do you remember what they said? Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Heaven has all we need because Jesus is there. Adrian Rogers was asked the question, do people in heaven know what's going on on earth? Thought we'd get a big spiritual uh, discourse answer from him and here's what he said. Heaven is heaven, not because people know what's going on or don't know what's going on. 
Heaven is heaven because that's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is. We can look to heaven for all we need. But you know what else is in heaven? As a Christian, our citizenship. Our citizenship. You belong to another land. When you gave your life to Christ, Paul reminded us in Philippians chapter 3, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you become a citizen of another land? Boy, I tell you, when, when I've been on mission trips or something out of the country, Ken and Ukraine, I did not want to stray far from my passport, did you? Man, I wanted to make sure that people knew I was a citizen of the United States of America, and I've got proof of it, and, and hopefully that'll get me back and get me home. I can remember coming home after that uh, two-week trip and met some folks, and you know what Renee had for me at the airport? A Marion's Pizza. Oh, it never tasted so good. You know what? I was home. And you and I, Christians, make sure you understand something. We're passing through. We're passing through. Because when you said yes to Christ, you became a citizen of heaven. Of heaven. Now, how do you become a citizen of heaven? But Jesus says and, and taught, and he's ta talking to John, uh, or in, uh, in John chapter 3, he's reminding Nicodemus and John that you must be born again. You have to be born from above. You have to have a real relationship with Christ, and, and he will change your heart. Do you remember what he said in verse 7? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And that's how you become a citizen of heaven. And heaven is not just a far country. Heaven is, is called our home. Our home. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Home. Heaven has everything we need because Jesus is there. We're a citizen of that land. It is our heavenly home. You know what else will be in heaven? Our treasures. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven for the glory of God. But I also like another thing that's going to be in heaven. Listen carefully. Our loved ones who have died in Christ. Amen. I want you to think about somebody that's in heaven today. I want you to think about somebody that you miss and that you long to see. Maybe you're here in this service and you've lost a baby prematurely. Maybe you're here in this service and you, you went through an abortion. Aren't you glad that heaven is a place of reunion? Oh, man. I think about my dad's dad. I can remember the night mom called me and said, Greg, you got to go tell him. Papa's passed away. When I look at my dad, I look at my papa. He looks just like him. He acts just like him. It's been a long time since we've seen him. You know, when you're from the north and you go down home to visit your family, it's almost as if they're always expecting it because when you get there, there's a big meal to be eaten. But I can remember my papa, we'd have a get-together 
and he would always put, he'd wear overalls, and he would uh, be, be at the corner of the house, and he didn't have an electric cord plugged in anything. He had a hand that was going like this. You know what he was making? He was making ice cream. You know why? Because he was looking forward to us coming. And all oh, the reunion. Hey, folks, don't let reunions just be limited to funeral homes. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody in your family needs to pick up a phone and make a call and let's say, let's get together. Well, I, I don't have time to do it. You have as much time as everybody else. Don't let death steal the victory of reunion. Amen? Make sure that we understand life is short. We're a citizen of another land. It's going to be eternal. This is temporary. This is quick. Someone, someone gave me a good word. Uh, I just turned 59 in November, and they said, boy, I tell you, you just wait, Greg. When you hit 60, it really flies. It really flies. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Why? Because there are treasures that you love that are there. Will we know each other in heaven? Here's what the Bible says. For now we see in a mirror dimly, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. That's what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 3. Paul reminds us of setting our things on godly things. That our wisdom is based in the right place. Colossians 3, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. So we can look to heaven for all we need. So in this passage, he talks about a heavenly wisdom, a heavenly, godly wisdom. I want to define it for us as we move through this. You ready? What is wisdom? Tony Evans said, it's the application of heavenly knowledge to earthly living. Now, Tony Evans, the great theologian, amen? There was another theologian named Debbie Stanzi. And she said, knowledge is having a tomato as a fruit. Or knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Folks, listen to me. There are two types of wisdom we're talking about today. Godly, heavenly, and earthly. And I'm afraid that oftentimes I make decisions based on what I can see on earth and somehow miss what God has for us. Now, when it comes to negotiating twists and turns in life, and there are plenty of those, amen? Many of you for the past year, the church has, maybe in your business, uh, in your family, in your life, you've had to negotiate and change and do things uh, that you've never done before. But wisdom gives you the ability to go forward. It gives you the ability to turn the wheel or to put on the brakes. It gives you the help you need to navigate through the traffic. And here's where you're going to find godly wisdom. First of all, in Christ. You've got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And in the world in which we live, if you're here or if anybody's watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, 
why in the world would you not run to Christ rather than run away from him? Next Sunday morning, Lord willing, we're going to baptize. If you're a Christian and you've never followed in baptism by immersion, I want you to come at the end of the service and say, I want to be part of that. You say, Brother Greg, I thought you said water baptism doesn't save anybody. It doesn't. But it's, the, it's a step of obedience in the life of a believer. So, so don't be afraid. And I know the devil, listen, he's a liar, amen? He's a liar. He can get you into being afraid. Uh, you, Brother Greg can't handle you up there. We've never lost anybody yet. Uh, listen, uh, you don't want anybody to see you wet. Is that a reason to keep from being obedient to the Lord? If that's your biggest hang-up, I will baptize you at the end of the service and you can shoot out the side door. Don't let that scare you. Help me out. Somebody say amen. Folks, listen. The most natural response for a believer should be a step of obedience. For some of you, you're a believer. You've been baptized. You're ready to take the next step. It's time for you to get serious. In March, we're going to kick off small groups again. It's time for some of you to get into a small Sunday school class. If you want to find out what accountability is, get in a small group. And those folks will love you and help you, and you'll be praying for each other and supporting each other in the darkness of days. We, we find heavenly wisdom in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for you wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But you know where else you find wisdom? You find it in the Word of God. You find it in the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. How many of you are glad this morning for the Word of God? For the Word of God. And then believing prayer. God teaches us wisdom when we trust Him. And by faith, just trust and cling to Him for His answers. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let me, get, let me use an example. I wish he were here. He was in the 830. How many of you know Eugene Foley? You all know, sits with Tim and Lena, the big Michigan fan. Uh, man, what a heart he has. When he came in this morning, he found me. He said, Brother Greg, I've just got to tell you what happened. I believe God answers prayer. God answers prayer, Brother Greg. He answers prayer. And I thought, man, where's Gene going? And he said, let me tell you about it. I was able to get my shot, but Dolores wasn't able to get hers. And we've been looking everywhere trying to get her to get this first shot. And he said, Brother Greg, when I was at the pharmacy, I, I was telling them what was going on and, and that I'm praying that God would open the door. And he said, lo and behold, the pharmacist said to me, is she with you right now? And Jean said, she is. And the pharmacist said, well, we've just had a, a cancellation. If you want, she can get her shot right now. Gene said, Brother Greg, I didn't know what to do, but I just told that pharmacist, I looked them in the eye and said, God has answered my prayer. God has answered my prayer. Folks, listen, I think sometimes we don't think God answers prayer because he doesn't do it right when we think he should. Now, God did that, and Gene recognized God's hand. But just because you don't see it 
on your timetable doesn't mean that God's not in the business of hearing us, that God's not in the business of orchestrating things. Scripture says he works all things together for good. How in the world does he do that? I don't know. He's God. He can handle that. But I know one thing. I'm just passing through this world. I don't have to figure it all out on this, in this world because someday we're going to be with him. That's why I love songs about heaven. Don't you? Oh, heaven. If we were to have a, let's sing our favorite hymn night, Marcia would say, okay, Brother Greg, we're going to do When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, when we all get to heaven. Yes, we are. But make sure you understand something about when we all get to heaven. It's a conditional song. We all are talking about Christians. Those of you that have said yes to Jesus and have given your heart to him as Lord and Savior. You see, the application of heavenly knowledge to earthly living is wisdom. Now, I want you to write this down somewhere. This might be why you came today. Godly wisdom, and I'm going to give you four words that are life-changing. You ready? Here they are. Godly wisdom, here they are, four words, will lead you right. It'll lead you right. It'll lead you right every time when you step back and trust God. Now, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, let each one examine his own work. So I need to look at my life. I need to examine my life and see what God's not pleased with, recognize he knows what I need, and surrender my life to him. Number three, input will determine the output. All right, what are you talking about? Well, I'll use our church as an example. Before you're too critical of the sound in our church and the lights and the microphones and the instruments, before you get too critical of those things, we need to put you in that seat one time. Because sound, people don't pat you on the back when it's sounding good. People want to complain when something squeals. Anybody want to say amen? A little lonely at the moment right here. We know that, right? We know that. But here is a big deal in the life of our church. When you look at musical equipment, uh, iPads, microphones, big screens, if the source is not right, failure is destined. What do you mean? Input determines output. You all know what I'm talking about. When you, when you buy a TV, your, your TV may have an input button or a source button, and you say, I want to watch a uh, VCR, or uh, I want to watch a, did I say VCR? A DVD. For those of you that are younger, a VCR is a piece of equipment that played a big tape. DVD. And, and you're wondering, what's wrong with your DVD? Well, what you come to find out is you've got to be on the right source for that to read the DVD player. We can do it here, and it'll say no source or no signal available. When you try to get something from the wrong source, it's never going to happen. And if you're trying to get godly wisdom from an earthly source, it will never happen. Blank. Blank. 
Human wisdom is rooted in selfish ambition. It's important that we recognize what goes in will eventually come out. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I've just loved all this time at home watching these TV movies and, and all this stuff we're getting to watch. Make sure you understand what you put in affects your life. Watch, listen to me. What you do in excess, I believe this is the way it goes, your kids will do in moderation. It will become part of their life. Or vice versa. What you do in moderation, your, your kids can do in excess. That's why it's important to set the standard of worshiping together. That's why it's important to set the standard of praying together. That's why it's important to set the standard of opening the Word of God together. Input will determine the output. Godly wisdom comes from Christ and Christ alone. Now, I want to remind us of something in this passage. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual. Listen at this, it's demonic. Now isn't it interesting that James, if you look back at chapter 2, he talked about a faith that was demonic as well. A faith, the devils believe and tremble, the Bible says in verse 19. The devils believe and tremble. And here again in, in this part of the, the passage, he says, listen, listen. This wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly. There's a big difference in earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And godly wisdom comes from the Lord. Godly wisdom gives you good fruit. We see that in 17. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's without partiality and without hypocrisy. He, he does it again. Here he pulls another review from an earlier passage in James. Remember what happened? People were coming to church, they were giving the rich people the good seats and telling folks that didn't have anything to sit back here and they had already shown partiality in the way they worshipped. James is doing it again. He's reminding us again that godly wisdom does not show partiality. Number four, just as James 2.19 reminds us of the faith of the devil, there can be actions and attitudes in the life of a Christian that are not of God. That are not of God. Because you see the source of wisdom. You see the source of wisdom. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he inputs. The Bible says his righteousness is imputed to us. He inputs a pure and peaceable and gentle spirit, a spirit that yields, a spirit that shows mercy and produces fruit. Hear me well this morning. That when you try to get your wisdom outside of Christ and his word, it will end up in failure. It'll end up in failure. When we go to the cemetery, most markers have a date of birth and, and date of death if the person has passed. What really matters is in between, right? That's life. That's the life of that person. It's not that 
those aren't important dates. But I'm telling you, maybe we need to start a trend where on that dash is a date that represents when I got saved. When I had a spiritual birthday. Because that changes it all when you come here and look at the marker. You're reminded that this is just a marker of a shell, a tent that has gone home to that heavenly land promised from the Word of God. You see, when we try to get our wisdom outside of Christ, it will end in failure. I almost, I almost named this sermon How to Be a Wise Guy. But I also recognize that sometimes that comes with a negative connotation. A wise guy. Do you fellows know what today is? If you don't, I'm about to enlighten you if you're sitting by your wife. It's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. We had a little fun in the early service. Casey's passing out some things for youth and kids. And I just took one from the basket, thinking they were for everybody. And Renee was up there with Debbie. And I said, Renee, I, just in case, you, you know, I love you. And I have, a, I have your gift here today for Valentine's. And everybody thought that was funny. Ha, ha, ha until Keisha said, those aren't really for you. Give it back. Hey, Jesus Christ said, I love you at Calvary. He's never asked for it back. He said, I'll give it to you. Here it is. Will you receive it? And when you do, you'll be wise. You know, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Now, we all know that there's no man... No woman can win anybody to Christ. We share the gospel. He does the winning. Amen? He does the winning. But we're living in a world which has redefined everything and probably is going to redefine knocking on doors and everything like that. We're going to have to get creative and intentional and continue to share the hope that we have in Christ because people are still dying lost. I want to close this message in a little different way. I want to compare worldly wisdom with godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom accuses. Godly wisdom affirms. Worldly wisdom blames. Godly wisdom blesses. Worldly wisdom critiques. Godly wisdom has compassion. Worldly wisdom demands. Godly wisdom desires peace. Worldly wisdom exposes. Godly wisdom has empathy. Worldly wisdom is focused on self. Godly wisdom is focused on Jesus. Amen? Worldly wisdom gossips. Godly wisdom gives grace. Worldly wisdom is heavy. Godly wisdom is humble. Worldly wisdom injures others. Godly wisdom inquires and listens to others. Worldly wisdom judges. Godly wisdom brings joy. Worldly wisdom kindles a fire. Godly wisdom is kind. Worldly wisdom leaves you empty. Godly wisdom loves Worldly wisdom is about me first. Godly wisdom is about ministry and being ministry-minded. Worldly wisdom is not content. Godly wisdom needs only Christ. Worldly wisdom is about only you. Godly wisdom is about others. Worldly wisdom is proud. Godly wisdom is prayerful. Worldly wisdom is quick to blame others. Godly wisdom is quick to forgive. Worldly wisdom is a resistor. Godly wisdom is repentant. Worldly wisdom is selfish. Godly wisdom is sick of sin. 
Worldly wisdom is tough. Godly wisdom is tender. Worldly wisdom is uncertain. Godly wisdom is unconditional love. Worldly wisdom can be vicious. Godly wisdom is victorious. Worldly wisdom can cause me to wander from God. Godly wisdom helps me recognize I'm a wayfaring stranger heading to heaven to a better land. I didn't have an ex. But Christ X's out the past for us to have godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is a yes to everything ungodly. Godly wisdom is yielding to Christ and Christ alone. And then we get to Z. Godly wisdom never sleeps. It never sleeps. Have you ever seen an Amazon vehicle? Or have you ever looked at the website or anything and you see the word Amazon and you have, you have that yellow uh, arrow underneath it? Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you heard the story? The arrow goes from A to Z. What Amazon is saying is, we have everything you need from A to Z. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus has everything you need from A to Z. There's nothing you can order by the push of a button and have it delivered to your house. That's not the way you're saved. You're saved by trusting in what Jesus did personally. You have to meet the giver of the gift, amen? Jesus doesn't take a picture of the cross and put it by your door and say, here it is. He, he nailed it down with his love and his blood and, uh, and shed it for you and me to come to him with an honest heart. Saying, Lord, I'm an open book. You have everything I need. Amazon has it wrong. They don't have everything you need from A to Z. Only Jesus does. Only Jesus does. And when you recognize that he's the giver of godly wisdom, that's what I want to choose today. I mean, I want you to hear me as your pastor. I don't always make the right decisions. God help me when I don't. But I want to make the right decision. And I know you do too. I want you to stand every head bowed, every eye closed.